This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of Screen Talk. Uh, I'm Dan Clark. Now, today we have a brilliant, wonderful show. Uh, I was lucky enough to interview Mark Gatiss, the man behind, uh, one of the men behind uh, The League of Gentlemen, Sherlock, uh, Doctor Who, amongst the many, many things that he does. I ask him about how he fits in being an actor, writer, playwright, radio writer, TV writer, um, uh, a comedian, all these things. Uh, it's a really br- uh, it's su- such a great uh, conversation um that's coming up in a minute. I do just want to remind you, if you listen to this show and you enjoy the show, please rate it because I don't understand the algorithm behind it, but for some reason it helps get the show out there to more people, so please rate it. If you didn't enjoy the show, don't rate it and stop listening now, uh, but pass the word on. So uh, before we get to the Mark Gatiss interview, which I recorded yesterday, uh, I have with me, it's been almost a month, a whole month, I think, uh, ladies and gentlemen, give a massive round of applause as they we're in a comedy club for Mr. James Gill. Hello, James. <laughs> Smooth. How are you, mate? Mate, so good to see you again. Yeah, you too. Uh, just listeners, just so you know, when Dan and I haven't seen each other for a few weeks, and as he walked in, I hugged him and he was going for a handshake. Oh, come on. That's, that's just painted me out to be some kind of, like, emotionless, <laughs> sorry, you, you know, repressed guy. So, sorry. You know. I said that thinking, oh, Dan's going to yeah, laugh at yeah. this. He looked no. quite hurt when I, I said did, that. I feel I'm, really, I'm really sorry. I'm I, sorry. You know, I, I, I just... You know, what I tend to do with that sort of thing, and we haven't got time to really talk about, like, um, <laughs> you know... Hugging uh, etiquette. Yeah, but uh, I tend to do the hand first and then go in for the the uh, the hug. So it's like a two... two I'm with you. It's I'm a two-beat manoeuvre, you know? Have you ever hugged someone who's not a hugger? They're a handshaker. Uh, I think I have done Oof, that. Have you I mean, ever... It's terrible. So tell us, James, tell us what is new out there. What is news? What is doom and gloom, I think, is what you're about to... Well, well I think this, this is such a huge topic. I mean, this is essentially everything that we cover. So there's some news come out that... Um, a lot of it is legal speak, but so we'll just boil it down. So there's a, a film coming out next year called Monster Trucks, and it's a Paramount movie. And in finance speak, Paramount have essentially said to their financial people, um, perhaps this film isn't going to make as much as we thought it might. They were thinking it was going to be a, an enormous smash. And and they've made this public information. Y- yes. Yeah. But we, need, we obviously need to be careful because obviously it could still end up, do, you know, we can't predict the future. This is what's so unusual. This film doesn't come out until next year. Yeah. So sometimes a studio will say such a thing once a film has come out. So let's say if it has a, uh, a disappointing opening weekend, they can say, we thought it was going to make X. It turns out it's going to make Y. But for, for them to say this... I mean, it is, it is incredible. For them to say this months before the film comes out is an odd one. And so, dear listener, you've got Dan and I talking. Because what it, what it all boils down to is, is, is the future of, of cinema. You may think that's a bold claim, but... Um, well, we've talked about this. We've touched upon we this have, before yes. about, like, you know, um, the way that the cinema's going and the TV audience is sort of taking the cinema audiences away with their sort of... Amazing TV shows. Their amazing TV show and class dramas and stuff. So TV, at the moment, are able to take risks that movies are perhaps not. So 2016 will probably be remembered as the year that movies struggled, especially in the summer, to the extent where experts believe that there's no such thing as this blockbuster summer season anymore. I mean, I have a list of films that have... It's a bit extreme, I think, but... 
I mean, you say when that, you, but I don't. Think, I actually don't think it is because this. I mean, this summer here we go. Here are a few films that have. I'm not saying that all of these flopped, but a lot of them certainly underperformed. Mm-hmm. So, The Legend of Tarzan. I mean, that that did not do well. X Men Apocalypse slightly disappointed at the box office. Ben Hur. I mean, th- that was a, a. I mean, that was a proper. That was a proper. That was a flop. A turkey, they used to call them. Yes, Independence <laughs> Day Resurgence, which was such a shame because I, I, I really loved that film, but that that didn't do so well. Ghostbusters. Um, Again, perhaps didn't quite do as well as it, it might have done. Um, the second Turtles movie is another one. Alice Through the Looking Glass. Um, Allegiant, which was the third movie, is part of the Divergent series, which again was supposedly a, a huge franchise. Uh, the BFG, Pete's Dragon, which was a, a lovely film. Uh, and then McConaughey in what we, you know, we, we thought may have been a, an Oscar contender, Free State of Jones. Now... I'm a positive guy. There is no dressing up the fact that yeah. that is a heck of a lot of films that have all not done quite as well as they might. So we know that um, films uh, in the summer tend to be tentpoles, blockbusters, and generally across the board in movies, you need spectacle, you need That's pre-existing right. uh, IP, you need all these things. It's, it's fascinating to it get fascinating. people into the cinema. But maybe what's happening now? This doesn't. I'm not. I'm not. This isn't me being positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe. But let's try and be positive. I mean, maybe yeah. what's happening is people are getting tired of what. If you all those films, except for the last one, are movies that were part of franchises, Absolutely. are remakes, yeah. are reboots, based on are, something. And maybe you know, obviously, Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman, both um, films that were critically annihilated but did really well, prove that people still want superhero films, much to my annoyance. But maybe people, maybe there is a glass ceiling with this stuff. Now, the problem is, I think, as you said to me, what, what, describe how you, uh, you put the conundrum of, you know, why would you... Right, so the, con- the conundrum is this. If you pay X pounds a month for, say, Sky, are you going to watch um, the box set of The Night Of, which is amazing? The new, the new drama from HBO, the new drama from everyone's HBO. talking about. Or are, you, uh, or are you and your wife, husband, partner, date, are you going to spend upwards of 30, 40 pounds? That's a lot of uh, lovers you've got. Well, that's, your that's wife, just your a, partner. A standard your... Tuesday. <laughs> what, what a night that would be. A bit um, awkward in the cinema. <laughs> It's a lot of popcorn. Um, or would you spend thirty, forty pounds going to the cinema to see a film that might not be amazing? And th- what this all comes down to is the future. Uh, the future of cinema is at stake, really. Yeah, which um, I, I think is a shame because even though I love the way that TV has uh, gone for the last ten years and continues to go, and the fact that they can, I mean, that Westworld trailer. I don't oh know if you've goodness, seen that. It's I mind mean, blowing. Ten years ago, you would never believe that a TV show could do something like that. That's right. And that's it's amazing that you can let characters breathe and explore different story avenues i like that i i'm i'm not i'm not i'm not uh, against that but the problem i have is i still like going to the cinema i still like closed ended stories i like a 90 minute thriller or a drama or a comedy good comedy and I still want to go to the cinema where I haven't got all the distractions of my home life yes. and watch something with amazing sound system and, you know, a big screen. There's, I still want that experience. It's just that no one's going to put money into s- the types of films I like. That's right. Into cinema. I mean, you and I, we both love going to the cinema. You can't beat it. It's, it's a wonderful experience. It takes you back to your childhood. There's something wonderful about just you and the movie. There's no checking your phone. There's no chatting. It's glorious. So may, may, maybe, it's, maybe it's a simple case of there are just too many movies. Um, and, and also, you know, how do we get 
how do you put spectacle? Because if they're saying the, the reason that people would go to the cinema versus watch TV is because of the production value and stuff, but then maybe we need to think about, I say we, no, but <laughs> you and true. me, yeah. think about how you put spectacle in a film that doesn't feel obvious. Because so sadly, so- a lot of those films, it's not that they're not good. Some of those are good films, but it's just... Well, they're thinking people will only go and see a film like Independence Day because they un- they already know the title. But maybe the problem is, well, I kind of know that film. I mean, what, how's it going to be that different to the first film, you know? I mean, that, it's, for me, if I was going to pick one film out on that list that's the head-scratcher, I would have said Independence Day Resurgence. Yeah. And I'm sure Fox think the same, because it, it was a really good movie. It was, I mean, it, it was thoroughly enjoyable. Was it silly? Of course it was. But also, the PR machine was cranked up to full effect. They did a, glo- they did a tour of the planet with the talent. Mm-hmm. They started in Australia. They worked their way around the globe. They worked hard to push that movie. And the fact that it didn't do so well is a is a real head scratcher a fascinating head scratcher um so recently one of the producers of the new blair witch movie um did a, a multi-tweet and he his point was that he's produced a lot of indie films a lot of them are, are good indie movies and a lot of them had done okay at the box office but mm-hmm. not got much in the way of attention and he said that blair witch is the first film he's ever been associated with that people have actually pretty much given a damn before it's come out and his point is that you sort of have to... All right, I know this list would contradict what he's saying, but he he says that there is a reason why people make franchise movies, spin-off sequels, reboots, mm-hmm. etc., and it's because it's something that the public identify with. So it's even trickier to make a totally original movie and still make it a success at the I, box office. I completely get that. I get that, um, you know, in a world where there's so much volume, so much noise, so many options, that sometimes when you're trying to make a decision, you want to go with something that you feel like you already Oh, I know understand. this world. Okay, yeah, yeah I get yeah. it. But at some point, maybe that's going to have a... Like, it's going to come back to bite you at some point, because, you know... Neighbours was not popular, <laughs> isn't as popular as it used to be. Sure. So, <laughs> terrible example. No, no, no t- but, t- you t- know, like uh, everything dwindles at some point. You know, people can't stay as absolutely fascinated and in love with the Star Wars. Well, maybe Star Wars is one. But that's interesting. Thing. You know, you can't be as obsessed with it after. I've, I, it's like, okay, we both once uh, talked about our love of the band Pearl Jam. One of the reasons I like them so much is because they completely disappeared from the spotlight. They didn't. Did have a website they didn't have like they didn't do videos and interviews and it made me more obsessed about them because i was like i want to know who these people are they're not on twitter they're not doing all this constant the more you know about someone at some point at some point i'm not saying it's going to happen straight away but at some point people going yeah you know that's like it's like they're in my living room what's so i agree what's so kind of like fascinating about that because at the moment the films that are still doing great business are the ones that are, say, a Marvel superhero movie or a Star Wars movie, but they're still brilliant movies. So, for example, uh, Captain America Civil War was an absolute cracker. So it had, that, it had that winning combination of being utterly brilliant, being awesome on the big screen, and being part of this... I mean, Marvel, let's be honest, have absolutely nailed it. I mean, uh, I mean and what I'll give them credit for, because, you know, as you know, I'm not, like, as a big a fan of uh, the comic book world as you are, but what I give them credit for is they're always looking for, like, who could be the new interesting director who could give this a slightly true. new that's absolutely twist. True. They've gone for, like, with the Deadpool thing, they went for a, like, R-rated comedy. Yeah. You know, they're tr- sort of mixing it up a, a bit within the brand, so maybe that's why they're still smashing it so much. 
I've oh, never I mean, said the phrase smashing it, by the way. I, I liked it. It feels oh, like a glove. But I imagine Hollywood <laughs> will be asking itself some, some big questions. Um, not only the, the not only the bigger studios, but I mean some of the. I mean, what's tough out there is for the, the smaller independent studios, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But you know what? Like there was the phrase "straight to DVD" is now no longer a dirty word no. because uh, films get released and a home release at, at the same time. So one film we talked about was "Born to Be Blue," the the Chet Baker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, You know that, that was a really good movie. Ethan Hawke is wonderful in it. However, you could, if you wanted to see that at see home, home. You, yeah. you could. And I think, um, you know, from, even though I would, I would much rather the middle ground $30, $40 million movies to be made again, um, and hopefully one day maybe that will happen, but probably not, I still think there is, there is an upside to the indie world, which is there are more places for people to see indies rather than short little life at the cinema and then, you know, no one ever hears of it again. There, the video on demand maybe gives it a second life or more chance. I mean, one thing we were perhaps going to talk about was, was Curtis Hansen. Of course, yes. Curtis Hansen, who sadly passed this week. Um, I don't know how you feel about Curtis Hansen. I'm, well, a, I'm a big fan of his... I mean, LA Confidential. Yeah. I mean, regular listeners will, will be saying, James, your top ten list has 300 films in it. LA, <laughs> LA Confidential is, 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 would be my top ten. In your top 300. In my top 300. <laughs> but I think it's an absolute... Yeah, I think it's, it's an better. absolute... Masterpiece. I've never said Belter either before. Uh, mate, smash it, Belter. I love it. It's my new, my, the new presenter, Dapperlass. <laughs> um, it's. I mean, it's just a wonderful yeah. film. I, I, st- I mean, I love Russell Crowe. I think it might be the best thing he's ever done. It's it's such a note perfect movie. So uh, it's brilliant. He's also done like Wonder Boys is one of my favourite films. Completely underrated. Douglas is stunning in it, and he he also did this film which I really like, which. Um, you know, I didn't think it was going to be aimed at me. I thought it might be a chick flick, and I mean that in the negative sense of the word, not like films yeah. about women. Was the film In Her Shoes? I don't know. Never if you've seen, seen it. it. It's a really Tony good Collette. film. Tony Collette, who's one of my favourite actresses, uh, and uh, Cameron Diaz, who is also brilliant in it as well. Um, but a really clever, smart comedy drama that is really unsurprising. Like, if you imagine, like, a film where you go, Tony Collette and Cameron Diaz are playing sisters in a sort of comedy drama, you'd think, oh, okay, that's going to be this film. <laughs> but think it's directed by Curtis Hansen. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, see it. It's a really, really beautiful film. Um, and, yeah, it's a, it's a shame he didn't get to make... I, I always thought he, was a, he, he would be put in that category we had uh, Rob Reiner in, that he wouldn't be considered an auteur because he kind of does so many different genres and things. But I think, you know, if you've got three or four, class, not classics, but certainly brilliant five-star movies in your canon. I think the, the, the sad thing, he, he was not a well guy, was he, for the, for the yeah, last few years? I think so to pull out something. Such a shame. Um, and uh, it just made me want to re-watch LA Confidential. Let's do it. Yeah, let's absolutely do it. Let's put it on it. somewhere. You and I watch it. We do a, a live tweet Everyone has to press play at the same time. Okay, is this a terrible it. idea? <laughs> it's, just, it's just me, me and you. Or we'll do a um, uh, a podcast of us watching it, uh, <laughs> where obviously because of the time constraints, <laughs> it'll end two thirds of the way into the film. Uh, well, look, thanks, James. Thanks for coming on. Um, uh, I hope to see you uh, much sooner. Let's make the gap not as long next time. I'll ju- so I'll just very quickly say oh. a film out next week that is not a superhero movie. Uh, or a spin-off. You uh, always do this to me, by the well, way. D- I wrap d- things up. I'm so and then sorry, you wanna... but this is a positive. This is a positive <laughs> cherry on okay. the top. So please see Deepwater Horizon. It's out next week. Uh, Mark Wahlberg oh, I'm is. I'm looking forward to this. I got to speak with Mark Wahlberg, one of the 
best interviews I'll ever have really? in my life. He was awesome. He was hilarious. Um, so yeah, I, check that out. Not just because Mark was very funny, but he's, he, I, I was blown away. Good, I, like good action. I think it's an absolute cracker. Oh, good. In fact, Dan, I think it's a belter <laughs> that they've smashed it. And they've smashed it. <laughs> well, you know, we should end it there though, because that's a perfect little roundup to today's uh, news and review section. Uh, I'm going to play a song before I uh, um, play out my Mark Gatiss interview. Uh, stick around for that. That's it's it's a, it's, it's a belter. Alter. There you go. <laughs> oh, God, who have I become? Anyway, to, in tribute to Curtis Hansen, uh, this is a song from the film Wonder Boys. If you've never seen Wonder Boys, check it out. It's such a great film. Didn't really get the attention it deserved. Uh, this is from that film by one of my favourite all-time singer-songwriters. This is Neil Young with Old oh, Man. Mate. FUBAR Radio presents... Blair Witch 2. In the group of people that go through it, they're black people. Yeah. This film's not real. Black what? people don't be sneaking into the woods. Actually, I'm gone. If I hit... Are you not? <laughs> How many black people die in Mount Everest? None. Because we're climbing up <laughs> fucking mountains in the cold. <laughs> How many black people get eaten by sharks? None. Because <laughs> we're swimming near them. They've taken diverse casting too far, bro. Because black people are not sneaking in the woods looking for witches. Does that said black person die? Probably die first. If they die first, we're back on track. It's normal. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the yeah. North I can buy that they went into the woods because they died first. Every Friday. From 4 pm on Fubar Radio. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello, Mark. Hi, Dan. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Is this how you speak and look now? So, Mark currently is sitting with me wearing his sunglasses. It's because uh, it's very sunny, isn't it's it? It's very sunny, yeah. um, and it's not well, at it's all. It's gone in now. It's not at all because it. you've just won an Emmy, and uh, you now uh, obliged to look I think American. It's, it's the way it goes, isn't it? It is. Some yeah. Sort of course, you have to go. This on. is. Uh, is this your first Emmy? It is. Yeah. Oh, congratulations! Sherlock has won a lot. Um, I haven't had my own, so everybody else seemed to win one last time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. But unfortunately, you couldn't be there. Couldn't go, because I'm rehearsing the, the boys in the yeah. band, yes. Which, uh, so for people that are listening and thinking, what's with all the noise in the background, we're, uh, I was going to say, joined by Mark, but actually, in a way, I'm joined, I'm joining you very much in, your, so, in, in, your, in your office. Way. Yeah. Uh, yes. So why don't you tell us a bit about what you're doing at the moment? You're in this uh, well, we're at Park Theatre in Finsbury yeah. Park, where we're doing... Uh, Daniel Boys just crossing by. <laughs> um, we're doing uh, a revival of a famous American play called The Boys in the Band, which was the sort of the seminal gay play. It's the mm-hmm. first actual play with gay men in it, as opposed to sort of coded versions or oh. in a sort of Tennessee Williams way. Okay. Um, and uh, it's an extraordinary piece of work. It hasn't been done here for 20 years. And uh, it's Where was it on when it was first put on? Here. Uh, the, uh, last time, yeah, it was on uh, in the West End at the Albury, I think. Okay, uh, started the King's Head actually, and then transferred. Um, but the original New York production was um, a sensation, and you know, it, cha- it changed the landscape. It was mm-hmm. just like everything. It was about eighteen months before the Stonewall riots. Everything sort of it was one of those moments, yeah. you know. But it's really interesting. It's 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 always been very controversial because it's. It's essential. Someone said to me, what's it about? I said, it's about nine self-loathing gay men in a New York apartment in 1968. <laughs> and then they said, why do you want to do it? I said, it's because it's about nine self-loathing gay men. <laughs> but it's, it's a very particular 
snapshot of a time. But equally, I think what's really exciting about doing it now is is to see how far we've come yeah. or how far we haven't. And actually, an awful lot of its themes seem to me to resonate. Uh, so it's still set yeah, in it's, 68. Yeah, it's very much set like in 68. It, yeah. But it's, it's actual, uh, it's very, very funny, very catty, nasty play. Yeah. But its actual themes are very relevant, I think, very powerful. And you're doing this with your husband? Yes. Is that a wise move? Well, yeah, everyone's asking us. He uh, said uh, the other day we were on Graham Morton's show, and he said we do actually like each other. Yeah, know? but obviously, I suppose it's a it's the work thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. We've we've done a bit of TV together and a bit of radio, but um, this first time on stage, it's going fine so far. Good. You've presumably <laughs> been um, rehearsing a lot. Yeah, although yeah. I don't actually come into it till the end of Act One, so okay. I've got a quite a long. T- it's a big build-up. Yeah, at the Iceman Cometh. See, my girlfriend for a for a very long time was like, "We should work together," and I just had it in my head that it would be disastrous. It and may it, be. Who knows? But, well, we we did it yeah. recently in ah. the summer, and it was brilliant. There you are. Uh, you have a shorthand that you don't really have. I mean, yes, and I tell you, you know, one of the biggest things about if your other half is rehearsing a play, it is beholden upon you. To, to run lines with them mm-hmm. and it is of course one of the most thankless things don't tell me <laughs> yeah. To, uh, yeah. and then you squeeze it out and then you get cross with each other yeah. but if you're doing if you're both doing it it's fantastic yeah that's because really actually you're you know you're doing stuff in the same then you sort of need to bring a third party in to help you with the other lines <laughs> and then you can get cross with them yeah because i've helped uh, my girlfriend read her lines for auditions and things and it's like the the worst thing in the world she finds uh, all direction like a criticism or yes. it just it, re- there's, it just her fuse is so short when yeah. we, but then when we worked together and I directed her in something I'd written it was it was wonderful that's really good uh, yeah. no, the shorthand is a I mean that's a yeah. a vital thing really yeah. I think and you know we always had that in the League of Gentlemen a kind of uh, we finish each other's sentences and, and we used to have this thing all the time where because every single interview we've ever done someone will say how, so how did you come up with it and we used to have this shorthand thing we sort of look around each other and one or other of us would just go <laughs> and then they'd volunteer to tell the story it was yeah. like it's your turn yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well also you, get, you, you do tell these things over and over again over refi- the years do you, think, do you find I refine them like a joke do you and you end up thinking I'm boring myself I think yeah. I'm, I've heard myself say this so many times but I have now got it down into a kind of haiku of okay. here is the very basic version of, yeah yeah you know. well, I think um, sometimes uh, you should just have a little uh, like a card or something and with <laughs> uh, ready made answers or start lying yeah and like just people create do create a whole new yeah. backstory Michael Who'd- Gambon got so bored years ago doing interviews he started to say that he, he had once been gay, but had changed his mind. Or And or, this was or, just completely... And it went on and on, up. and I eventually someone said, what, what happened? What changed his mind? He said it made my eyes water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, oh, it's a shame. It's a shame he, uh, that... You know that we have to say the same things over and over, but I lied to you throughout this interview. Well, I think Maybe I already am. Is this that's a that Emmy's not real, is it? <laughs> I'm worried that this is the closest I'll ever get. No. Um, I love that you brought a BBC Worldwide bag. Well, as I, explain, I must explain, the Emmy is here not because I've been carried around with me, but because I went in. Steve Moffat and Sue Virtue uh, went out to LA. Uh, 
and I went into the Sherlock edit this morning, and mm-hmm. so they brought me the Emmy. So I, that's why that's I've lovely. had to bring it to rehearsals. We I'm did not you carry start- it around like a pack no, animal. Of course not. I mean, that would be <laughs> such commitment to um, to yeah. your ego because it's <laughs> so heavy. Uh, do you? We did you stay up and watch? Uh, or did you just wake up to? Well, it's not on live, is it? I don't know. Oh, it isn't. No, no, I just I turn my phone off. Uh, So you're doing this play, and I've noticed over the years you do plays regularly, right? Mm. And yet you write so much stuff as well, and you act and screen. How do you do this? How do you fit this in? Because it's not like a play, something you can just phone in. You commit to months. Wait. <laughs> well, it if you want to I see Mark Gatiss no, phone in a performance, <laughs> come honest, on to the Bath um, Theatre. When, when, when it works, when a, a year works well, the balance is really mm-hmm. fine. You know, I was writing Sherlock half of last year, filming Sherlock April to August, and now I'm doing a play. So... And in between, I've been writing bits and pieces. So if it works like that, it's okay. Yeah. I have to tell you, you ask at a very sensitive time because no. I am currently, uh, I have collided with a horrific deadline oh, at the worst geez. possible time. So sometimes the answer is not very well is the, is the is answer. Is this uh, uh, but valuable writing time right now then? Uh, no, no, it's <laughs> fine because I've got to come in for rehearsals anyway. But no, I, sometimes it works fine. Other times it's a bit... Yeah bit of a car crash <laughs> are you good are you good at um I, I can only presume you must be because you are because uh, you you do so much work but do you are you good at that kind of spinning plates because yeah yeah i find i need one thing at a time uh, but. I, I to be honest i am good at it but i i also when it very occasionally happens that i'm just completely focused on one thing i really enjoy it yeah and i always think i should do this more often. in fact i know i should uh, i've turned down a couple of things from next year, beginning of next year, really to just give myself yeah. exactly that, give myself focus on the on the thing I'm doing. Right. So, um, but I can't. I'm good. I'm. I, I write best early in the morning, and I can get up very early and kind of carve out that marvelous time mm-hmm. before anyone's around. How, how early is oh, early? Maybe five or six. Are you serious? Yeah, not all the That's time. Right. Yeah, but I can do it. And if I'm if I'm in the mood, there's nothing better because you, it's the concentration is so good, and then it, you know. No, no one starts phoning up or anything before nine yeah. or ten, so you can get a lot. The trouble is, you—I uh, always forget—and you get a kind of amnesia about it. That, and then you think this is amazing, and then you realise at like quarter to three that you want to die. Quarter <laughs> yeah. three in the afternoon, yeah. it's and then like you go to bed eight at night <laughs> for you, isn't it? Yeah. That, so you can't really do it both ends. Do yeah. you have a trick or anything? I find writing in the morning for me is. Like there's stuff, layers of other things I need to get through. I tried doing the artist's way thing where you write the morning pages. Have you heard about that? Yeah, you know, yeah. but that just ends up becoming a kind of a purge of. I don't think know. that. I mean, everyone has a method, don't they? Yeah. But I, it's all haphazard. I think I, I, that's all I can say. I know I definitely am better in the mornings. I feel fresher. I feel clearer. I always have to start from the beginning. I have to reread it. I can't just plunge in. Yeah. But if I can get in the in a zone, and I can write for ages, and yeah. and I think that's my rather than doing like two or three hours every single day yeah, or something. Yeah. If I can really, you know, it is like play. Or you can sort of imagine. You can you can see the whole script in your head, and you can kind of you think, ah, oh, right. But it, anything that breaks that, you're kind of out of it. Yeah. So then that, that would make me think you would 
doing the kind of multitasking would get in the way of that. But it, well, I, I mean, I couldn't. There's no point in me coming here with my laptop, laptop, and trying to do yeah. 45 minutes between rehearsals. No. But if I have like a whole morning, like today, yeah, before yeah. I come in, I can do it like that. And sometimes when I'm filming, um, if this sounds ridiculously Hollywood, <laughs> but if you're stuck in your trailer caravan yeah. three-way they're stuck in your three-way for hours waiting to get called or with nothing to do between like one shot in the yeah, morning yeah. and another in the evening that's like amazing I find that brilliant that time because yeah. I mean you know, basically what, what do you do you sit and read a book or twiddle your thumbs or eat too much well you d- you, you've got a whole other job that other actors yeah. don't have but that it's you also can... kind of what's interesting is it's, it's a kind of prescribed piece of time yeah. you know you, that you know your hours are. it's, it's like a kind of structure yeah. Which if I was just sitting at home with all day, I might not sort of respond. You, to. So it's, sometimes you go, God, I hope they only use me in the morning yeah. and the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Whereas yeah. other actors are like, oh, I've got nothing to Shit. do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I, um, I think that I've got better as I've got older at being able to go, okay, I've got two hours here. Whereas I used to be, maybe it's just mortality. You're like, I can't <laughs> wait forever for the muse to come. Do you know what oh, I mean? No, but it is I'll be it. dead I mean, soon. It's, it's ridiculous. Isn't yeah. it? You just think, and when it's flowing, you think, oh, this is, why isn't it always like that? Because that's, that's why it yeah. isn't always like that. Do you, why, why do you do, like on a personal level, why do you do so many things? Is it just, you mania. love mania, avoidance. I, no, I, was a gen- I was generally a very lazy child, and I think I have a. I, I, I sort of I could be very lazy, yeah. And maybe it's a way of not being lazy, <laughs> making but up I, for lost years. I am, I think, yeah. but also. You know, I, I'm very aware there are only so many projects you can do in your short time on earth. Yeah, and also, there's lots of things I'm very passionate about, and also. People ask me to do things that, that you, you know. I remember Stephen Fry saying when he, he and Hugh Laurie were offered um, uh, Jeeves and Worcester, and they said, "Oh no, I don't. We can't." And, they, and then they realised they were going to ask somebody else, and they went, "No, oh, we'll have to." Do it. <laughs> and sometimes there's a bit of that. You yeah. go, "You're like, oh, I can't be the person that didn't get to do that." Or, yeah, you know. But but uh, mostly I try and you know go by gut instinct and stuff that I. I'm passionate about yeah what's the difference between uh do you find working on stuff that you create that's genuinely like created from the ground up like league or you know original c- compared to stuff that existed before like doctor who or sherlock or it depends i mean the thing is you know with sherlock particularly it's it, it, it's 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 mine and Stephen's vision. It's our version of yeah. it. So and you though, often get uh, credited as the creators of Sherlock. Yeah, well, which we, is we, a kind of interesting. Well, we're the creators of Sherlock, not yeah. of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah. But there was a, you know, there was a, there was some precedent before. Yeah. <laughs> but although we do, we do sort of, uh, we go back to the stories to a greater or lesser extent for every series. It, as as a concept, we we are completely honouring. I mean, that was the point of it. Yeah. That is the point of it was to go back to Conan Doyle and say, it's not. It doesn't have to be all about the handsome cabs and everything. It's about this these two unlikely friends. Yeah. It's a flat share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Concept. And he was one of the greatest writers, perhaps the greatest short story writer we ever had. He was an amazing, a genius. Mm-hmm. So we we at every stage we said, you know, we've completely resisted any effort to do Sherlock. 
novelizations because mm-hmm. we just want people to read Conan Doyle because he's the master. Yeah. You know? So so no like comic books. Oh, no, we've done comic books, Have but you? they're of our sh- of our okay. episodes. Not, okay. Nothing yeah, else. Yeah. No, nothing original. Nothing. Uh, do you think that that was something that in some of the other adaptations of it got lost? The friendship thing. Oh, or, definitely. I mean, yeah. we, we were kind of inspired by there were there was sort of too many in a rush of things that just seem to be all about the the the, the trappings, not yeah. about what it is and the yeah. reason why people liked it in the first place. So that's, that was the, it was a sort of restoration rather than a reinvention. And, do you, and it's interesting you say that. Do you think that, I've just thought of this now, but do you think that's also partly because you both come from having made comedies that so many comedies, especially sitcoms, are about, you know, unlikely friendships or... I don't know. Maybe I mean it, the Even thing is, a drama, people for, well, people forget how funny the original stories are. Yeah. They are funny. Sherlock Holmes is a funny man. He's not, and I think it's it was a reaction against that kind of austere version, without which seems to be terribly humorless and kind of grave and yeah. like some sort of monument rather than what he actually is. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, it's the same argument as with Doctor Who. Uh, you know, Terry Nation, who essentially invented Doctor Who, uh, because. You know, the, it's, it starts with the Daleks, and they they completely rethought what they were mm-hmm. going to do once the Daleks took off. And of course, he was Tony Hancock's gag writer and a great comic writer. And it it begins there. Yeah. You know, and every every periodically when people sort of turn up their nose to the notion of comedy writers writing anything serious, you mm-hmm. think, well, first of all, it's very hard to write comedy, yeah. and secondly, anyone who's actually alive. <laughs> knows that life is always a strange, bittersweet mixture of the two. Yeah, yeah. There's no such thing as drama and comedy in I that think, way. And I think we're living in an era where that is happening more and more with a lot of heart, especially in America, the half-hour comedies yeah. feel more like something between the two. Absolutely, and um, it's, it's, very, it's reflective of real life. It's also reflective of a, of a blurring of the lines in yeah. most aspects of society. You know? I still think the best adaptation of Sherlock Holmes is without a clue. <laughs> Have you actually seen it? What is that? Just leaving a sort of pregnant <laughs> atmospheric pause. It's a great uh, idea. It is a good idea. Not, <laughs> not amazingly um, necessarily executed. But uh, having said that, I haven't seen it for like 20 years. Nor have I. I've seen most Sherlock films. Tried to do no, that. Maybe again. I should watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. It is uh, a great idea, I think. Um, do you. Uh, do you um, are these sh- were these all shows? Um, they must have been shows you loved as a kid. Right and books and all the th- all the things you've been so yes. successful in. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of you know it, I am still pleasing the eight year old version yeah. of me, which I think is the lazy eight year old. Yes, it's the way to do it. It is. Yeah. I mean, Doctor Who and Sherlock Holmes were two basically my two favourite things as a child, yeah. and that's what I've this mostly so, done. It's so amazing. It, I play this game sometimes. If ever I'm feeling a bit down about things, I go, look, just go back like even five years in a time machine and tell yourself what you do in the yeah, next yeah, five yeah, years. Yeah. And you'd be like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. But we've, when you're ambitious and in this business where you're constantly asked, what's next? What, mm. We forget to just go, oh, this is great. Yeah, but I your heard. eight-year-old self, if I you know. went back, I not know. only does he find out you actually work. Yeah, yeah, you work. But yeah. you work on stuff that yeah. you, you're a huge fan And also, fan of. time travel is possible. <laughs> which would travel, be the yeah. most thrilling thing of all, wouldn't it? Uh, can you imagine if that was the least yeah, thrilling yeah, thing? Yeah, fuck yeah, Sherlock. What about, <laughs> what about the time travel? How did you do uh, it? How did, how did you Where's break it? I'm the only person who could do it. Like Dan <laughs> said, here you go, go and talk to your eight-year-old self. Um, how quickly from 
finding out that you're doing working on these shows and creating them and being involved in them does it go from joy to holy shit i better not fuck this up or does it not at all you seem like quite no it's not that it's holy shit uh deadline holy shit so much to do yeah not not about expectation i mean you know doctor who uh I, I was one of those who kept the flame alive in the mm-hmm. dark years. Right. Um, when yeah, it was off is, the what air. What is the dark years? Well, it was Did off I, the air between 89 yeah, and... Yeah, um, the Paul McGowan... And the brief Paul McGowan yeah. movie, and then, and then 2005 when it came back. But, and I didn't actually, I didn't think it would come back. I just thought that was it. Um, but I was immediately, you know, Russell's version of it was... I immediately thrilled by because I thought it was so bold and that that is of course why it succeeded yeah. it wasn't a sort of nearly version he said no we're not we're doing four, 45 minute episodes we're not doing four parters it's got to be it's got to be its own thing mm-hmm. the first Chris Eccleston's season doesn't have any alien planets in it was like let's not go to a quarry that's what people expect you know right. very clear very clever it was the Alan Bleasdale yeah uh, and from, uh, and from the companion's Hoover, point it? of view yeah. you know so I was I mean, much more sort of bold than I would ever have yeah. been. And uh, so it, the, the, there was just this risk, I suppose, in the sense of obviously a huge existing fan base, yeah. but also one that didn't have a show anymore. Yeah, yeah. That was increasingly just talking itself into a circle. And then you could the, say the, main the same about Sherlock in a way. Yeah, suppose, that, yes. There wasn't like this. It had recently been on no. and people were like, we love this show. Yeah. Um, or did it... In my memory of it, it feels like I talk it like it was years ago, but it's like five years ago now. Six, it's like six years ago. Six, oh my six God. Years, yeah, yeah. Um, it felt like it just immediately was a hit. It like was. Some things no, it, but it's not, take it's, their it's time. Not every, it's literally what yeah. happened. It was like something from a, a Hollywood film from the 30s. Benedict was an overnight sensation. Yeah. And when we did the pre publicity, obviously Martin was the, was the name. And. And he was an overnight sensation. That was it. It was extraordinary. And it'll never happen again it, to us. It, yeah. it, was, uh, some, it was like bottled lightning. The, the, the timing, the, 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 the casting, the writing, everything just clicked. The alchemy, yeah. And it was just its moment, you know. And it's, it really was like that. And I, I remember um, we had a press screening and we were anticipating people saying, it won't work. Oh, in fact, we had, we had a, one, of, one of my treasured possessions is a preview from The Independent without seeing it, which said, you can't do Sherlock Holmes without gas lamps and top yeah. hats and handsome cabs. And he actually said, in protest, I'm going to go home and watch one of the Basil Rathbone films. And I thought, well, you have a choice of two out of the 14 because the other's a modern day right. prick. Uh, <laughs> But I didn't say that. But actually, after this person had seen it, they they re- they printed a, retra- a complete mea culpa. Said it's, it works, it's brilliant. Oh well, at least uh, at least yeah. they did that. Uh, at least they did that. Though. I mean, how exciting that must have been for you guys. It's a bit dizzying, really. Yeah. And um, you know, we've only we've just made three more, so that's we've made thirteen films in six years. That's so cool. And its reach is amazing. I mean. Incredible. Used as a diplomatic weapon by yeah. the by the Foreign Office, I think, to try and destabilize <laughs> foreign regimes. Yeah, well, we need we need those. So, uh, <laughs> do, um, do the BBC must have been like, please do like six a series or? Well, in a funny way, 
But they're well, an hour and a half, right? Yeah. So that's that's a lot. Yeah. Of, that's three films yeah. in, to shoot in four yeah, months. Yeah. Is a lot of stuff. But um, they, not really. Actually, once we, it was a very easy commission because Sherlock Holmes is the most filmed character in in all fiction. Mm-hmm. It's it's Sherlock Holmes, Dracula, Tarzan, Robin Hood. I think. So it's everywhere, yeah. and it's not period, so it's cheaper. Yeah. So that part was easy. It was a we had a few sticky moments along the way. For the first the season, unknown actor, yeah, cheap, yeah, cheap actors. First season, <laughs> uh, and uh, but after that, they've kind of left us alone. And I, I, I think weirdly the the age of that thing, which used to be a very American thing. I remember the early days of the League of Gentlemen. We went, we did a, we did some live sketches, sketches live at um, BBC Showcase, which was then quite a small scale thing in mm. Brighton has now become like Comic Con itself and uh, I remember an American saying can, you know can you do 38 next year and um, and you go no <laughs> <laughs> but I think that sort of passed away because the Americans are, uh, uh, and, and therefore all other broadcasters are um, asking for more bespoke things yeah. they're doing more six parters yeah, yeah, yeah. and ten parters and and, and even on network know, television, I think yeah. they're doing it as well. Cause so I think, I think that's kind of gone away. I mean, they'd, they'd always love more. Yeah, of And course. the gaps between seasons. But really, it's something that happened accidentally. We fell into this pattern of doing three every couple of years. But if we hadn't, we wouldn't be able to make them anymore because Martin and Benedict would be too yeah. busy, too famous. Whereas they can actually do it every now and then. Mm-hmm. It's funny uh, that you... You just can't. I think one of the reasons it was successful is you just couldn't imagine it. As soon as it started, you were like, "Oh yeah, now I can't imagine a diff- like an old Sherlock, and well, I can't imagine two other actors." And well, we did uh, we did the Christmas special, which was Victorian, yeah. um, as a one. And then everyone's like, "You can't do it!" Well, no, they the, did. Really? I mean, we had virtually the same journalist said, yeah. "Well, how can Sherlock exist in a world without iPhones?" Yeah. Did you go. <laughs> we've done something right but it's like there is some precedent yeah that is hilarious um, so the you're in this world uh, by the way you mentioned um, the Comic Con thing I mean you've it's such a wonderful thing to tap into a, a genre or a, a type of uh, TV and film that really connects with those sorts of audiences and you've sort of done that with almost everything you've worked on uh, and just that that Call fandom a, thing a Venn diagram of my retirement <laughs> it's good I like that where can we get those <laughs> um, uh, do you miss going back to something that's very British uh, like with the league I mean when I spoke to Reese, he said that you had talked about maybe doing something yeah no we'd love to no I don't I mean do you feel like you've not been in that sort of world for a long time that it would be or do you in, in your of, head, it was like yesterday, and you could just. Oh yeah, well, it does feel like yeah. yesterday. Of course, it does. It's yeah. years, but and I'm constantly approached by people who say, "I loved your show when I was a kid." Oh no, it's frightening. That is oh, frightening. thank you. What? Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's it's not so much that. I mean, I don't. I got like getting your head turned or anything because the Comic Con sort of stuff with Sherlock or with Doctor Who. You have to disconnect yourself from it because it's mad. I yeah. mean, it's not in a pejorative way. It's extraordinary. The yeah. scale of something like San Diego, there's people dressed up. And, and also, of course, people's demands on you. They, they, they start to demand things. So you have, you have to shut that off because you go crazy. Yeah, yeah. But I think I still 
you know, I used to do an awful lot of stuff for BBC Four, which I love doing. And I might be doing something for them next year, I hope so. Uh, and I do rather like that, just sort of doing something over here mm-hmm. in a quieter way without either the weight of expectation or the scale, really. Yeah. You can just sort of do it's, that. Yeah. That's nice. It's, it's the TV equivalent of putting on a, a play, I guess, yeah. in a way. Yeah. You know, yeah. it feels less less. Uh, like this one that yeah. I'm doing now. Yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, when does that... You should plug it and say... Uh, we open a week today on September the 28th mm-hmm. uh, till October the 30th. And then we go to um, Manchester, Lowry, um, Brighton Theatre Royal and the West Yorkshire Playhouse in Leeds for a short three-week tour. And in, whilst you're doing that, you're going to be writing several series. Christ knows. <laughs> I don't know. I'll be trying to catch up with my deadline. Is there I just finished my new Doctor Who, though, so that's done. Oh, good. I'm very excited good. about that. And is there anything that you're not very good at, like cooking? Yes. Is your personal life in tatters? Like something to make no. me feel better about oh, no. I can't, all the many I things can't you're cook, brilliant at? I can't drive. Okay. I can't play a musical instrument. I can't speak any foreign languages. I, this is really all I God, can do. You're, uh, suddenly I'm looking, yeah. I'm looking at you in a whole, yeah. <laughs> whole new light. Um, so yeah, <laughs> this really is all I can do. And it's, yeah. I'm, I'm so lucky because it's all I could do. Yeah. <laughs> the only other thing I ever wanted to do was be a paleontologist. But it's, and I used to correspond with the Natural History Museum. I really thought about it because I was an avid fossil collector. But the, the, the the A-levels were beyond me. What did you study when you were at uh, university? Uh, I did drama degree. Oh, okay. Because uh, I was talking to um, uh, Rich Fulcher the, the other week, and we were talking about how people go to, you know, expensive, prestigious colleges and study science or history, and then they decide to become a comedian. Look at Ben and, Miller. Yeah. Ben Miller is like, we should probably be at NASA. Yeah, and you think it, that's such a strange I know. choice, isn't and it's, it? It's, but it's funny that it's a funny thing because you imagine you very much put people into little things. You think science, arts, yeah. Um, but there are people who are like Da Vinci who <laughs> just infuriatingly can yeah. do them both. And uh, you know, Ben's one of those. And also a curious thing amongst I know several actors who were nearly professional footballers. Yeah, and you think. That's, that doesn't seem right at all. Yeah, yeah. Jason Watkins, Michael Sheen, very nearly a footballer. Really? Really? Yeah. I mean, imagine. He, no. would, he might now be playing international for Are Wales like- and, and just doing funny impersonations yeah. <laughs> in their changing rooms. Yeah, yeah. Which would have been a good career as well. <laughs> would you? Are you like me where you just assume people in the arts or that did acting or comedy or uh, uh, were people that were no good at sports so they yeah. went there Cause but, and of course that I is mostly feel. true yeah but then there are these extraordinary yeah. exceptions these there. exceptions so um yeah i was chatting to reese and he said you guys might you would like to get to have you talked mm. more about that I'm sure uh, people a little would love more it you... i mean uh, we've we've approached this period which happens every two years um which makes the theatrical press always go a bit funny as if mm-hmm. some, there's some conspiracy where we're all doing plays at the same time. It genuinely happens every two years and there is always this something has happened stage. Before, so it's, Yeah, it's, it's happened three really? times before. Uh, there's genuinely a headline on the stage saying the league take over theatre. Like, <laughs> no, we're just working. But they're always looking for an angle there's yeah. a recent one. It is. It is. Um, but we are meeting again towards the end of the year to have a chat about... Mm. Is it, so it's, it's over ten years since the film and we've never split 
up yeah. in that way. So yeah, we'd yeah. love to do something. I don't know what. That See, he, t- he revealed something to me that I never knew about you guys, which was that uh, you often worked writing-wise in two pairs. Yes. And I never knew that. It's kind of like the Python Seamless. thing. Yeah. Because yeah. it all feels so... Yeah, oh, it doesn't... Yeah. Um, and now that we know what their show with the two of them looks like, <laughs> or two shows, in fact, yes, yeah. what would a Jeremy and Mark show look oh, like? Oh, sadder, I think. Would it? I don't know. I think... I mean, I suppose... I mean, there is a I lot I suppose of... that's the stuff that kind of... It was the, that flavour which made it the League of Gentlemen, wasn't mm-hmm. it? So the, the, the balance between the four of us. So, yeah. yes, I mean, our stuff was always... I'm imagining Pathos. because Jeremy doesn't perform, a show you two would make would be you wandering the plains of being miserable. Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose, you know, wistful looks all into our, the distance. Um, all our influences were, you know, Alan Bennett and uh, Eric Chappell, um, great sitcom writers, great uh, northern mm-hmm. writers and, and actors, and 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 so it's, it's, that's a very strong streak through us. Is that? That kind of melancholy, really, and yeah. I think it's it's what people amongst all the madness. I mean, that's something that we always used to love about doing the show was that it had uh, it was sometimes extremely silly. People always bang on about it being dark. Some yeah. of it is so silly, yeah, yeah. just straightforward, yeah. exploding dogs and fart jokes, yeah. and some of it is re- is so dark. I, I I I happened upon a bit of the Christmas special on UK Gold, Gold. Yeah, uh, that's also that's like the children saying I loved your show being on gold is the <laughs> isn't it it's I think like... we've always been there not getting repeats um, and I just thought Jesus Christ how did they how did they allow us to let this out it's so strange and very disturbing the bit where Pavel Lazarou kidnaps the ba- the young Bernice in that is like it's like an assault yeah. it feels really it feels good. like it would be harder not impossible but definitely harder to get that show yeah i mean now. when we were talking about possible ideas about what to do if we could if we could come up with something i said why don't we do a mock documentary where we just sit and go through all our old stuff and just go couldn't do that <laughs> Couldn't do that. Couldn't do that, and then just fade. <laughs> That's it's, all we've got left. When did that happen? Because it felt like, um, you know, I was doing comedy at the same time, uh, and it felt like we were talking about when it was hard to get stuff off the ground in the past. Now it's oh, we're yeah, talking yeah. about when it was easy to get stuff. I know, stuff I know. But see, it's the same. You see, you don't realize you're living through a golden age as you're living Scary. through it. Which is another reason why working in drama, not to like say that each thing is exclusively uh, that, but um, it is a golden age in drama, definitely, definitely. definitely, So I don't know when did it change. I mean, it's gradual, isn't it? Um, I think there was some. Some of it is depressingly familiar. The the reliance on on flavor of the monthness. Mm -hmm. I remember having a. A meeting about something just after Slumdog Millionaire had come out, and the entire meeting was dominated by the Slumdog effect. Great. And you go, well, that's it's great, but this time next week you'll have another effect, yeah. which you'll want to warp this project into. Or, you know, when Miranda was a huge unexpected hit, everything was suddenly straight down the line, funny pratfalls. Yeah. You know, not a shred of darkness, and you think, and I always think, well, but. You're, you're the same people sitting at home as us and you want to watch a variety, variety of different yeah. stuff. Absolutely. Not necessarily variety. Yeah. Although that's fine. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, 
But there's, you, you so often get that three-line whip thing of like, no, this is what people want now. Yeah, yeah. And until the moment someone does something different, James Holmes, um, you are stuck in. You're stuck in that. Um, yeah. Amazing. The amazing James. We're Holmes. we're just um we're just sort of recognizing each other in the middle of. Um, I I 100% agree. I had this. Uh, uh, I was right. Tried to write. I was commissioned to write a sitcom for BBC One, and I foolishly thought, well, what you do is you sort of present it like a BBC One show, but you under the radar get some like slightly. I hate to go to this word, always, but darker themes mm. or edgier mm. or. Um, slightly left field and I'm talking just marginally and the notes were this was in the um, the the wake of uh, the success of Mrs. Brown's Boys I was I'm not I'm not even this is verbatim could you make it a bit more like Mrs. Brown's Boys I'm like well no because I'm not the writer yeah, of yeah. Mrs. Brown's Boys and that kind of following a hit and then making sort of pale a, imitation a poor version of it, of it yeah is it never yeah. it just no, never works never, it never and it never goes away yeah you can you can sort of understand the instinct to have let's have some more of that yeah but that pe- people aren't fooled what they want is that yeah and they'll wait until it comes back again but if you try and i mean if you've got something which if you've got something which is a nice sort of hand in glove fit mm-hmm. you know if if they'd accidentally here's a perfect example from years ago Paul Jackson told me this years ago. Um, they made the young ones, BBC had made the young ones because on, in a rare instance of being ahead of the curve, they, they were aware of, the, of, of Rick Mail and... Uh, and this, that, 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 scene, that, yeah. that scene, yeah. And they didn't know what to do with it. And they, it was on a shelf. And it was possibly in danger of never being shown. And then, then Channel 4 broadcast Five Go Mad in Dorset. And it was on within minutes. Wow. And suddenly, and I remember it well, there was a moment. It was, it's them again. And there's yeah. a series. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly what you want. Uh-huh. But it was an accident. <laughs> uh-huh. I love hearing the stories of the, of the 70s, especially. Well, not, not those stories, by the way. But the uh, commissioning stories where people like John Cleese would go into a commissioner's uh, office and the commissioner would be like, uh, I mean, I'm not sure I get it, but... Okay, go ahead and make it. Oh, well, the famous one, which I think it was Jimmy Gilbert, who commissioned Monty Python, and they were all in the office, and he said, um, so is, is it a review? <laughs> and they hadn't thought it through. They just went, don't know, are there any songs, girls, anything? Yeah. Nothing. It was going really badly, and he went, all right, but you can only have 13. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn it. We were after 14. Um, well, look, it's been lovely talking to you. Good Pleasure. luck with the play and uh, the deadlines. And yeah. um, uh, yes, uh, a final plug. It's next Monday, right? Uh, 28th of 28th September. 28th next Wednesday we start. Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good luck. On tour. Yeah, good luck with the show. Thanks. Thank Dan. you. Bless for shaking you. hands. No one can hear yeah. the handshake. Do, but do it make it very sweaty? I know, my hand's like quite hand sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks to Mark. What a great interview. Uh, I'm going to play, out, uh, play us out with a piece of music that he'll be very familiar with, but may not have heard in a while. Uh, I love this piece of music. To their cult hit phenomenon, The League of Gentlemen, this is the opening titles. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining.